You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I don't think they're checking hand size for the uh, analyst here, the NFL Network analyst and uh, former NFL scout. Uh, Daniel, have you had your hands measured at the combine? I've had my hand measured when I was scouting because we would do scouting clinics for young scouts at training camp. So when I was with the Baltimore Ravens, um, they had me measure my hand in front of the group so they could teach people how to measure your hands. And I don't know if I've gotten older or just imagined it, but I want to say I was. Oh, he was just ready to reveal and we just lost contact. We saw three of the fingers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to guess. Over nine and a half for Daniel Jeremiah there. I'm going to go. By the way, before uh, we'll try to get Daniel back with us. I just saw where um, Pete Carroll said that the Seahawks have no intention of trading Russell Wilson. That doesn't mean anything. If Pete Carroll said he's untouchable, there's no way we're trading him. Okay, now you you say no intention. You know what happens? It's when the, you know, the Giants send you three first-round picks or something, and you go, look, we had no intention of trading Russ, but we got three first-round picks. We had to trade him here. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, let's bring back Daniel. So, Daniel, what was your hand size when you measured? Yeah, it was nine, Dan. So oh. it, was, it was right at nine. So uh, I was at the threshold. That was acceptable, you know. Uh, you wouldn't know it watching me throw the football, but my hands were big enough. Man, this was a big deal with Kenny Pickett's hand size, and I don't know how much it should be. So as a former scout, if you were looking at Kenny Pickett, and let's say you're the Steelers, what would, yeah. this, what would this do for your opinion of Kenny Pickett and where you would draft him based off his hand size? Well, first of all, you've, you've seen him throw a zillion passes in your exact same environment, so that, that should help you right there. Um, what, when I see a measurement like that, what, what I think, and I, I knew – into the fall even that he had small hands so when you watch him you have that in mind and i want to see is there evidence of it affecting him as a thrower and i did not see any evidence of that impacting him as a thrower at the at the college level um but then you look at the next thing and say okay well what about fumbles well he had 26 fumbles in 49 games which is a tremendous amount of fumbles so that's where the issue is so then you go back through and with the video capabilities you have now i can watch one fumble after another and he's got a—he's really got a bad habit of separating his hands when he moves around in the pocket. So, I, I think you can correct a lot of those issues just by keeping his offhand on the ball when he's climbing and moving around inside the pocket. So, those are reasons why I can—I can get past it. I would have felt a lot better if during the the rainy day down there at the Senior Bowl, if he had a good practice and didn't have a bad one. But mm. uh, that was his—that was a not a good day for him down there at the Senior Bowl on that wet rainy day. But uh, on the whole. Um, I think most teams are going to be okay. All right. We have a bet here. Paulie uh, says that uh, a quarterback will be taken in the first 13 picks. The over-under was 13 and a half. Where would you bet today? Will we have a quarterback selected in the first 13 picks? Oh, I, I think I would, I would lean towards no. And, but I, I don't feel great about that. I would lean towards no, partly because of Ron Rivera coming out and kind of showing his cards the other day and saying we need a veteran. So if you scratch them off the list, um, that takes away one of those teams. The Carolina Panthers, um, we'll see what they do in the veteran market. Um, They seem like they're pretty um, interested in trying to be aggressive during this veteran period. So I know one thing, whatever whatever the bet is, I think you're probably going to know after free agency who's winning it. What do you think is going to happen in free agency? 
I don't think the big guys are moving. Um, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers will resign. I don't think Russell Wilson is going anywhere. I think this Kyler Murray thing will probably give us some drama uh, over the next month, but they're not trading him. He's not going anywhere. So then, then you start looking at, you know, Deshaun Watson and that whole situation and waiting for the legal process to, you know, to kind of clear up to see who's going to be, you know, who's going to be aggressive in that, in that way. You know, it's, uh, it's unlike anything we've seen with his situation. I mean, the guy, I think he's 26 years old. Um, Dan, he's in the, you know, he's absolutely in the prime of his career. And as a player, he's, he's a top five player at the most important position. So that's a, a different scenario than I've ever encountered. Why don't we measure the hand size of wide receivers or, or make a big deal? I know they do measure, but why don't we make a big yeah. deal about the guys who actually catch the ball? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting. Absolutely. You, you do. We do measure it and it gets discussed some in the, in the room, but I think I've seen some guys with, with small hands have some of the best hands in the NFL. So it hasn't been, as much of an issue there. I think there has been some issues with um, more fringy quarterbacks, but quarterbacks with smaller hands having more of an issue of controlling the football than guys with smaller hands catching the football. Um, but, I mean, you know, DeAndre Hopkins has, I think he might have 11-inch hands or something. He's got some of the biggest hands you've ever seen. He's probably got the best hands in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I think there's a case to be made. Maybe we, maybe, uh, uh, maybe we should talk about it more with wideouts than we do with quarterbacks, but there has been evidence of, of quarterbacks with small hands having issues controlling that bigger NFL ball. I just want to know how strong your hands are. I mean, yeah, I, grip I, strength. Yeah, and, and that's with wide receivers. It's like Jerry Rice and Chris Carter. You know, they didn't. Larry Fitzgerald didn't have good forty-yard dash times, but they had great hands, strong hands. That when they caught it, you weren't going to knock it out. And you know, Cooper Cup. Like when we talk about this forty-yard dash thing. And I, yeah. and I always tell my audience, you got to go back, you know, decades ago when Paul Brown was looking for how fast he ran down on a punt return, 40-yard mm -hmm. dash. We don't use the 40-yard dash in a game. It's very rare when you're running 40 yards. It's, and that's why these cone drills, although I can't sit there and watch them, they're more important to me, <laughs> I would think, as a scout. And you would know this, obviously, better than me. That's going to give me a better indication of – can you run a route? Do you, do, you, do you have sharp cuts? Can you get in and out of these routes? How quick are you in the first three to five yards, seven yards? And that's where Cooper Cup was really good at the combine, whereas 40-yard dash was in the you know, lower quarter of all of those guys who ran that year. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. With his, his three-cone drill specifically, I think it was the best of any receiver in the draft that year, um, showing you that ability to be full speed and change direction. Um, so you, you have a combination of things now, Dan. You have those shuttle drills, which show you some of the change of direction stuff. You have the GPS numbers for actual game speed that uh, most of these teams can access. So you can see how fast he's in the game. Like a great example, Traylon Burks uh, yesterday, I think we had him 4-5-5 uh, five, five from, from Arkansas. Well, he's faster than the, he's faster than the secondary at Alabama because I saw it with my own eyes. They couldn't catch him uh, when he got out there in the open fields. But as such a big guy, he's not going to blow you away right off the line. But he's one of those build speed players. So I, I think you got to put all that stuff into the, the proper context. One thing, one thing it can do is it can alert you to the fact of maybe a guy's had a body change, and so he's running faster you know, in the 40 than maybe you saw him on, on tape. Maybe he's come back from an injury that you didn't know that he had. Um, so it can, kind of, it can kind of alert you to some things if a guy wants – faster or slower than you anticipate, um, I think it can lead you to maybe some, some good questions. But a guy like Cooper Cup, 
it's a great lesson for everybody, which is, I don't know, he runs away from people on tape. His shuttle drills are off the charts. Let's not overthink this thing. He's Daniel Jeremiah. You can follow him on Twitter at Move the Sticks. NFL Network's live coverage of the Combine on-field workouts continues today at 4 Eastern. Running backs, offensive line, special teams. Where is the drama in this year's draft? I think it's what what uh, what order these edge rushers come off the board, Dan. I think we're going to see a ton of them. Uh, we might see seven or eight of them go in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a handful of them go in the top ten picks. Um, so to me, it's it's kind of how they're going to stack up. We'll see them work out. Um, gosh, tomorrow we'll get a chance to see those guys. It's as good of an edge rusher draft as, as I can remember. Uh, not just in kind of having some some real top end guys, but just the sheer number of them. So when you look around the league and you look at you know look at the team that just won the Super Bowl and you look at the teams that are consistently good every year, they've got great quarterbacks and they've got a great pass rush. So while the quarterback group might be down a little bit, um, I think this is as good a pass rush group as we've had in a long time. So that, to me, is, is the exciting part to see how these guys kind of sort themselves out. But I also wonder, with the success of Aaron Donald, are we looking for the next Aaron Donald? It feels like we got a lot of edge rushers. There's only one Aaron Donald. Yeah, and that's the problem is that you you don't know you get an Aaron Donald once every twenty years. You can keep you can keep looking for him, but you know I don't know if you're ever if you're ever going to find one quite like that. You know Chris Jones, and we've got some other good ones that have, have had big time impacts. And we've got a solid group of defensive tackles in this in this draft. What we do have though, Dan, is we've got guys that can that can be versatile, and you can let them rush inside. I think let's go back in the time machine to that Super Bowl that the Giants won against the Patriots, where you saw Justin Tuck, who was a a big defensive end who went inside and just destroyed those guards. We've got guys like Trevon Walker, um, who's going to be 275 pounds from Georgia, who can he can slide inside there and do things like that. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State can do that as well. I think a lot of teams call that their NASCAR package. You put four defensive ends out there and let two of those guys rush inside and beat up on these unathletic guards. I think that's what this draft has a chance to give you. If you're Kenny Pickett, do you walk around Indianapolis with your hands in your pocket? Or... <laughs> um, I don't know, but I I found myself, and, and I've told you, I don't even, I don't see it as a major deal. I'm okay with his hand size, but like even on the coverage last night, when we would show him on the screen, and if there's that, uh, you know, that lower third graphic would be covering up his hands, and I'd be trying to look around it, like, I, no, I gotta see his hand, I wanna see what his hands look like. <laughs> Oh, he got the meme treatment yesterday, though. Of, of oh, Dan, my phone. I get a lot of text messages, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pictures, a lot of pictures. I, I'm going to make you the GM of the Colts. What do you do with Carson Wentz? Oh man, um, I think I'm trying to trade him. Um, they've made it so that I don't believe in his contract. He has any offsets at all. So. If you cut him and he signs somewhere else, you're not going to get any release or any relief, I should say, from that contract, which is good for him. He's going to be able to double dip if he does get does get cut. I just think when the, when the owner of the organization comes out and basically states they don't have much confidence and they need need to get better, um, I don't know how that how you run that back. So the challenge is going to be who the heck is their who the heck is their quarterback? Um, you know that 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 is going to be the challenge for them trying to figure out who that is. I, I think it's a it's one of the easier quarterback positions to play in the league right now with their offensive line and run game and uh and a pretty good defense. Uh, I don't think as much is going to be asked of that quarterback. So, you know, I I could see 
Yeah, I would be shocked at all if that was like a you know you bring in a a Mariota or a Trubisky or somebody like that on a on a pretty friendly deal and and just see if they can put that offense on autopilot. How about you're the GM of the Eagles? What are you doing at quarterback? I'm going to run it back with with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm going to call I'm going to call the the Seahawks and see if there's any way at all they'll change their mind, pull something off there. I don't think they're going to answer. I don't think they're going to do anything. Um, but after you do your due diligence on that, you know, you can call on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's happening either. But I think when you stack up Jalen uh, with the quarterbacks in this draft class, I think I would use those three picks um, to try and add some some more players. You know, but if you were him. Seattle though, Daniel, and I got yeah. Jalen Hurts and I got three first round draft picks, Seattle would be crazy not to take that. I would I would be making that phone call, but I mean I'm just kind of taking Pete at his word the other day, saying that that's not happening. No, he said they have uh, no intention, Daniel. You know what that means? We had no intention, but then we were blown away by this trade. We couldn't turn it down. Well, we can make that. I mean, I, we can make that trade right now. I think I would. I think I would do that if I was the Philadelphia Eagles. You said you would do it if the Seattle Seahawks. So if me and you can make this trade, maybe they can make it too. Well, I think that, I mean, if I'm Seattle, I got to get on a rookie contract here with a quarterback. I got to be able to rebuild. I get, you know, I get first round draft picks. I got a chance. Russ is going to, you know, he's 33. He's going to cost you. Uh, at what point do you get something in return for him? Philadelphia, not exactly ready to win now. Maybe close, but I, I would do that if I'm Seattle. I, I think yeah, Seattle is going to move. I think Seattle wants to move on. I just think they're trying to figure out what exactly can they get for Russ. Well, I think that I think the Philadelphia Eagles would be highly motivated there, and I, and I actually, I actually think they're they're a team that could make a, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneer type leap with with somebody like Russell Wilson because mm-hmm. okay. they're good on the line of scrimmage. They have one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. You've got Goddard, who's one of the better tight ends. I think Devontae Smith, with a guy like Russell Wilson, would catch a zillion balls. Um, defensively, I know their sack numbers were down, but they've got a premier corner in Slay. They've still got some talent along that defensive line. Need to add some pieces here or there. But, uh, yeah, I could make a strong case, okay. especially in a division that's pretty average. But the Eagles could take a, a real quick leap. All right, real quick, you're the GM of the Giants. Well, first of all, thanks for giving me all these GM jobs. This has been a heck of a morning. I've already got four GM jobs. I haven't even had lunch yet. Um, if I'm the GM of the Giants, I'm probably trying to. You know, I'm probably very aggressively trying to trade down in this draft. I think they've got a lot of holes to fill. I think they are going to stay committed to to Daniel Jones, and I'd, I'd agree with that when you stack him up with this year's quarterbacks uh, to try and give him some help. I don't know if they'll find any trade partners to. to slide down and collect a bunch of picks, but that would be the effort uh, I would be trying to make. And you got to get a, a good evaluation on your quarterback this year. So they've got to upgrade the offensive line, and I think they've got to give him another another weapon to play with. If at the end of this year you can make a proper determination on Daniel Jones, I think you'd do that as a success. But they can't go into next offseason with you know the lack of clarity that they have right now. All right, real quickly, the college quarterback we are not talking about now, but we should be or will be. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll give that to Desmond Ritter. You know, I thought you saw that yesterday. His accuracy was the question when you watched him on tapes. This kid's smart. He's a great leader. Gosh, he ran the four four fives yesterday. He's tremendously athletic. I think you've got a lot to work with uh, with a kid like that. And I thought he cleaned up some of the footwork stuff that impacted his accuracy. So uh, that's one I think we'll be talking more about as we go forward. Thank you, bud. Have a great day. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you. 
Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, hand size bets, Paulie. Dan, I got the back room if you want it. Oh, quickly. Okay. The back room guys, the BRGs of the DP show. Right. Uh, Mario has the biggest hands, 10.1, which is too bad because if he had smaller hands, he wouldn't have caught that pass in the corner and shot that air ball in the AUA. Mm. He may have dropped yeah, it. Yeah, see, big hands don't help you when you're shooting the basketball, apparently. Uh, Eric, the big German, 9.75 inches. Okay. Uh, Dylan, the graphics guy, we got the beer out of his hand for a minute to measure it, 9.5 inches. Weeks, the cameraman, 9.4 inches. Let's see. Tyler, the moderator, 9.2 inches. He was petting a dog at the time, so we had to measure quickly. Okay. Ray, the intern, 8.5 inches. Oh, he's our Kenny Pickett. Yes. Well, no shock at all. Rob. Oh, little Rob. The editor. Yeah. His were like 4.5 or something (laughs) like that. They didn't even hit the scale. He buys children's mittens when he, you know. Goes That's something. big. You think Ray? Ray's a taller, yeah, taller yeah, fella. Yeah, lanky. Yeah. yeah lanky. That, that was surprising. So Mario finally doing something uh, right. Okay, Paul. I have the front room order from biggest to smallest. All Look, right. Do you want to do a prediction or do you want to hit it? You hit it. All right, here we go. The biggest hands of anyone on the Dan Patrick Show in the air. Dan Patrick, 9.38 inches. Oh, my God. You did it. So nervous. What a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yours are 9.3? Yeah. Oh, my. I'm going to be like seven and a half. <laughs> In second place, there have never been used to do any type of manual labor. Oh, Todd Fritz. Todd Fritz. Wow. Which, and it's funny, the backroom guys listed, listed his as nine and two eighths instead of nine and a quarter. Okay. Which is interesting. <laughs> well, I found 9.1 to be interesting. Like, yeah. what is the point one part? Okay. In third place, who do you guys got? It's, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Marvin. I'm in third Whoa! place. Whoa! Major upset. Just a shade under nine inches. That's oh. what she said. Okay. Marvin. Wow. Man, this Marvin. Dan, you're, you're taking a hit. <laughs> taking a hit, brother. Now it's all good. No. I knew it. I knew it. Small feet, small hands. I may need a remeasure Big here. Big heart. Can't dance. <laughs> In fourth place, Seton O'Connor yes! eight and a half inches. Yes! Marvin's are seven and seven eighths. Yes. Kenny Pickett's making fun of you. Yes. What an upset! Oh. <laughs> wow. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Wow. Sorry, Marv. You want to go in the back room now? That's great. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dan Wojcicki covers the NBA, covers the Lakers for the LA Times. All right, where do you want to start here, Dan, with what happened last night? 
Um, it's been great theater, Dan. I just want to say that, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, you, you know, you say you want to watch the struggle. Like, that's the crazy thing is, like, they have seven more games on national TV as, as the season plays out, right? Like, so yeah. we are all going to see this. Like, it is very public. Um, I mean, I think – I mean, Russ is as good a place to start as any because that decision impacted everything, um, not just in terms of what he's able to do on the court – sort of the the math problems it caused for them. When you trade three players for one, um, when that player makes $43 million and that's money you can't spend elsewhere. Uh, you know, I was watching in, in that third quarter and you watch that, you know, the, the Clippers going, I think it was like a 23-0 run at one point. And you look around, it's like, why can't this team stop anybody? And you, you realize, oh, well, Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope are on a different team. Alex Caruso is on a different team. Like, these are the guys that were parts of the pillars of the identity that the Lakers won a title with, which was built on defense. And that has all been traded out. That has all been gone in an effort to be more dynamic on offense. And they stink on offense. And they're slightly below average on defense. And that's why they are in the position they're in. Tim Legler was on yesterday, and he said that he's watching the body language. And he said during timeouts, they're not talking to each other. Like, there's no spirit there. There's nobody who's sort of, yeah. you know, getting in somebody's face here. And they've, they've had those players in previous years. They just don't have that now. But I, I wonder, what do you do in the offseason? Um, a lot. Right. And I think, I think Legs is right. Um, you know, I think what we're seeing, right, Dan, is you're seeing a team that had championship expectations uh, being confronted with the reality that they might not even be the 10th best team in the West, you know, and that's, it's jarring. And it has been, you know, let's wait, like you said, we'll wait to the end of December. This has been their approach on a lot of things, at least publicly is like, well, let's wait and see where we're at once we're healthy. Let's wait and see where we're at once we get some continuity. Um, you know, here we are with 20 games left in the season and it doesn't seem, uh, it seems impossible to imagine that they'll get either of those things. Um, as far as the off season goes, you know, it, it, dealing with the Russell Westbrook issue um, seems like it'll be at the very top of the list, right? Um, best for both parties, I think, probably to, to figure out a solution. Now that that's going to, it's gonna, like the Lakers are going to have to pay for that. It's not a simple, like, let's find a team that wants Russ. Like they're going to have to sweeten that deal. They're going to have to use draft picks to, to kind of start to dig out of the hole that they're in, but they've probably got to dig out of the hole. And then I think secondarily, um, you know, a, a coaching change seems likely. The Lakers have kind of said that, um, you, you know, with with a half-hearted extension, um, with kind of letting Frank Vogel dangle a little bit here during during this season. I, I mean, they've sort of made their their feelings known there. And I think, um, again, another situation probably for best for both parties. Um, you know, like there's going to be big there, – there'll be big changes. This team has to look differently next year, Dan. Here's the crazy thing. I'm not convinced they'll look that much better. Well, I wonder if Le um, LeBron knows the clock is ticking. He wants to win yes. at least one more championship. And he's got to look around and go, can I win a champ? Do you think LeBron can win a championship in, in the next couple of years there in Los Angeles? I mean, not without a certain level of luck that hasn't been there, right? Like, I mean, you're going to need, he's going to have to continue to defy age on the court, but he's going to have to stay on the court. Right. Um, you, you know, LeBron has missed a lot of time this year. Uh, his his running mate is Anthony Davis. And so you need Anthony Davis on the court. Like these are big ifs 
when you talk about the Lakers, if Anthony Davis was healthy, if LeBron James keeps playing at this level, I mean, you know, next season LeBron will be 38. You know, um, the year after that will be 39. And eventually you would think like that. I mean, maybe we're already starting to see some of those things slow down. You know, the swollen knee, um, you know, the ankle injuries seem kind of freakish, but, you know, he's had other things, a groin injury that he's dealt with, like these soft tissue injuries that tend to kind of suggest older age. You know, um, I think, I think that is obviously, those are huge ifs. Can it happen? I mean, they have a puncher's chance. I mean, they, they are, I was talking to a scout last night and it's like, they are as born on third base of a team as anybody, right? Because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And it's sort of why, despite all of this stuff, you talk to teams around the league, nobody still wants to play them. They don't want to see them in the play. And they don't want to see them in the first round of the playoffs because they have these two guys and these two guys are unquestionably great players. Uh, is this a great team? Um, no, not close. Handicap the rest of the West here. Best team is who? I, I think at full health, I think it's the Phoenix Suns, but the Chris Paul thumb injury is, is an interesting one. Um, it is a – that team to me, when I see them, they make the most sense. Um, like, you just see them, they've got athletic wings, now they have ex, they have experience, they have perimeter scoring, they have an interior presence, they've got tremendous depth. They've been there before. It's a team I really like. Um, I, I still sort of think the Utah Jazz are lurking, and, and they've, they've disappointed in the playoffs so many times. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's a terrific offense and, 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 you know, a team that's played much better basketball, seemingly the only team the Lakers can beat weirdly enough is the Utah jazz, but, but, you know, Utah gets everybody, I, that doesn't seem like a problem they'll have to conquer in the playoffs, you, you know, and, and then obviously the, the warriors are, are the warriors. I mean, I think Steph Curry's in a little bit of a funk right now. Um, Clay Thompson's still playing his way back and, and reintegrating pieces like that is not easy, Dan, it, it, it like. It, it especially, especially when it's been so long, it's hard to readjust your identity like that. Uh, but again, that's just another team that that I think you know uh, is in the mix. It just to me, Phoenix just feels like they have the least amount of questions. A thumb injury isn't the end of the world. Chris Paul will be back on the court at some point. Um, he'll be able to stay in shape. It's not like you can't jog if you have a broken thumb. It's not like you can't work out a little bit and stuff like that. So. I don't think it'll be hard for him to kind of to get back running at full speed. Make a case for John Morant to win MVP. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies aren't on anybody's radar if he's not like jumping above the backboard every game. You know, like in terms of value, they're a game out the of value. the two seed yeah. right now, Dan. Yeah, 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 Dan. He is the value case, right? Um, and I, you know, I, I I didn't mention Memphis, and I probably should because it's easy. To, to kind of see um, the path for them, right? Like it is kind of a weird year again in the West, you know, who knows um, what doors will be open. They're tremendously athletic. Another team with tremendous depth. Uh, they had never been there before, which is always, it's tough to go through it the first time. And we'll see what, you know, how, how a team defends John Moran over a seven, seven game series is totally different from how you deal with him on a night to night basis and how good are they at adjusting. But, I, there's probably not a more exciting player in the league right now. Um, it does feel like he can do anything. I was in the building when, you know, he, he blocked that shot against the Lakers and it looked like, you know, he had a, you know, a couple of Tesla rockets in the sneakers. Like it, it's, he, he is like sort of one of those guys when you, when you open your phone or you turn on league pass or whatever, it's anything is certainly possible. And on a team like that at, at this stage, I mean, what, who could be more valuable? 
in that sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's like most outstanding as far as best highlights. Sure. Because or, or, Giannis has won a couple. It feels like it's Embiid's turn, even though the Jokers played well with a, a Denver mm-hmm. team that's, you know, been missing some players there. I, I, I always, I'm always curious about this meteoric rise. Like Luca had a meteoric rise, but he didn't win the MVP because the team wasn't good enough. John Moran is having that meteoric rise, and they're playing like there's validation in his totally. value to them. Whereas Luke, I said he's not going to be an MVP anytime soon until they get better. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I'm I'm glad at the LA Times like we don't vote on awards, which is like luckily it's something I, I'm glad I don't do it. Um, to be totally honest, mm-hmm. like it is, it is a tricky it is a tricky thing to kind of figure this out because another name we haven't mentioned is Demar Derozan. You know, who has been, again, you talk about a team on a quick meteoric rise, and he's the type of person that I think voters want to reward because it's such a good story. It's such a good, like, kind of out of nowhere, seemingly season. But it's hard uh, to vote an MVP but, with a high, you can't say, oh, remember that time in that game against, like, you know, the, the Joker had sort of a season like that last year, but he had some sure. unbelievable passes. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, like here's another couple game winners, couple game winners. All right, okay, Nike. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. But but look, Dan, they've got to beat you know, and this is an issue. And they haven't like beaten they, good teams. That's what I was just going to say. They've got to beat really good teams, yeah. right? And they just haven't done it. So I mean, I think to me, like right now, if I was filling a ballot, I, I would look at Embiid, I would look at Jokic, and I would look at Morant, probably closest, and then Giannis is like right on the edge of that, and then you just start to, it, it, at a certain point, it becomes a level of taste. Like those, those guys have all been so good. Um, and beat has been, has been great on both sides of the ball. What Jokic is doing is still like kind of rewriting possibilities on offense. Giannis, um, you know, is maybe the most dominant player in the NBA. And then you've got this guy, John Morant, who, like I said, I mean, like seems like sort of a mix of like Allen Iverson and Derek Rose a, a little bit like pre-injury is kind of who I always see. And it's just sort of, you know, it, it really does feel like he is, he's on the precipice of something really, really special. And that's the crazy thing with him, Dan, is like, are we even seeing the best of him right now? Like, like, how much more is there to go? Bill Oram, uh, the athletic, got yelled at by LeBron. Have you been yes. yelled at by LeBron? Um, snarled at, certainly. Not to that extent. <laughs> I, 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 I will say this. I have yelled at Bill Oram before that has definitely happened um everybody more, yells more, at bill more, yeah. <laughs> wait more, more than once lebron snarled at you absolutely yeah what, I what mean, was like, snarl worthy i think you know i mean i think there was a point at the a time during the season where he basically looked over and was like you keep asking the same questions right <laughs> like you keep asking us and we don't know and if we did know we would maybe answer but them. you should think, have said you know, hey you guys keep playing the same way that's, that's why what i told them that's what i told them i said this is frustrating um like we're trying we're trying jennifer i pulled the cj mccollum card you know i mean i think that you know certainly i the uh um you know the the bill lebron situation obviously like a, a little jest in there too and stuff it's just Everybody's frustrated, Dan. Like, honestly, like it is a, it is a very tiring team um, to be around. And what I mean by that is that it's just like I said, like, this is a team that I think, you know, you heard them talk about championships, you know, with a straight face through December. Um, We heard Russell Westbrook talk about a championship last night, uh, you know, saying like the season's not over. Our goals are still in front of us. And it's, you know, you're eight games under 500. And, um, you know, why are you even talking about anything 
beyond, you know, winning a single game, playing better than one quarter. Um, like this team hasn't figured that out yet. And it's, it, it is a little bit exhausting constantly trying to dissect these huge big picture issues, right? Like these aren't little tiny problems. These are big problems that they're trying to tackle. But like at the same time, like they're not even getting like the, the day-to-day results. That painting, uh, a tribute to Ferris Bueller's day off. Yes, it's, uh, you know, I'm a Chicagoan. My son is named Cameron. Um, you know, it is a, uh, it is high art in my room, Dan. So There's... you didn't want to go with Ferris as a name for your son? No, I didn't want, I didn't want like people thinking, you know, like say Ferris and stuff like that. Cameron, underrated character. Um, I don't know why he's a Red Wings fan. It never made total sense to me. Uh, maybe if in a prequel or a sequel that would ever get addressed. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean. As, but everything as a, about a... Cameron, he was an outsider. Yeah, and, and, and he worked his way into, like, the, the popular social circle, a, a real hero, in my opinion. <laughs> and, unlike me, a father with a great car. Dan, great to talk to you. Good luck the rest Good of the season. You, uh, so, Thank you. Enjoy the struggle.